I'm going to pray, and then we are going to dig into this chapter, Numbers chapter 19. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love for us. We, we thank You that those of us who, like that song says, those of us who stood condemned, those of us who were, who were wretches and the vilest ones, now, because of the fount of love, because of Jesus, we, uh, we stand as daughters and sons. We stand adopted as daughters and sons. Help us, God, to be thankful this morning. And I pray that you would help us as we look into your word, that you would help us to see the gospel really clearly this morning, and that you would uh, strengthen us and encourage us to live lives that are worthy of the, the great love of Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My children um, really pretty much know nothing of TV commercials. We just don't have, we don't have any TV commercials in our house. We have like Netflix type stuff. So we don't, we don't really do live television. Uh, I watch some live sports every once in a while, but there's no real, like, there's no real commercials in our house. And so when we're over, like, at my grandparents, or not my grandparents' house, no, but my, my parents' house, my children's grandparents' house, and so Silas will be watching something on Disney Junior or whatever it is that, on TV, and a commercial come on, he'll be, skip it, skip it. I was like, we can't skip it, buddy. There's no skipping. Skip it. I'm like, no, you just have to, you have to endure. We all have to endure. I'm enduring Paw Patrol or whatever this is. You can endure this 30-second commercial. Skip it. No, sorry, you can't. I, I hate commercials too. I, I feel you, buddy, but uh, we got to watch them. We have to watch them. Um, you know, when I was growing up, commercials was the time where you ran and you had to go to the bathroom real quick or you had to... Uh, Go get a snack or a drink or something and get back real quick to your spot before one of your siblings stole your spot on the couch or whatever. So commercials was a very, you know, very strategic time where a lot of stuff happened. Um, but I've always, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with my kids. I've, I've always hated commercials. And I was reading this chapter this week and it kind of sort of sounded like a stain remover commercial. You guys watch the stain remover commercials? The really bad ones are the ones like at 11 o'clock at night that go on forever and ever and ever. And it's that guy who's really loud and he's showing why this stain remover is 10 times better than the leading brands and all that stuff. And he's got all these different, you know, garments that he's stained with different things and he sprays this stuff on him and then voila, it's gone. All that stuff. Those, those kind of commercials... Um, they get a little bit of annoy, a little bit annoying, and we're tempted to mute them um, or change the channel. Um, but I encourage you this morning, as we look at this commercial here in Numbers chapter 19, for a stain remover. This is a this is a stain remover chapter. But let's not mute it. Let's not run out for popcorn. Um, let's stick close to this chapter and let's think about it together um, because this stain remover actually is worth the hype. This says this stain remover is actually a big deal. This is one that if you lived back in Moses' day and you didn't have this stain remover, it literally was a matter of life and death. As we look at Numbers chapter 19, this is going to be a three-part sermon this morning. We're going to see how to make 
this stain remover. We're going to see when to use this stain remover. And then we're going to see why all of this matters to, to us, to you and me living in the year 2020, to, 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 to us who are generations removed from this chapter. Why all this matters to us. So, how to make the stain remover, when to use the stain remover, and why all this matters to us. First, how to make the stain remover. Starting in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 19. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, This is the statute of the law that the Lord has commanded. Tell the people of Israel to bring you a red heifer without defect, in which there is no blemish, and on which a yoke has never come. So, so God says to Moses and Aaron, you got to get the people to bring you this, this red cow, this red heifer. And it, this is the only place in the Old Testament where the, where the color of the animal matters. No, nowhere else, Leviticus, Numbers, it doesn't, the, the color of the animal doesn't matter. It matters here. It's got to be a red heifer. And it can't be used for any other kind of work. There's no blemish. There's no defect. And, and, and it's never had a yoke on it. And then you bring it to the priest. Verse 3, And you shall give it to Eliezer the priest, and it shall be taken outside the camp and slaughtered before him. Alright? So this is not, this, this cow is not going to be killed on the, on the altar at the tabernacle. This is a different kind of a thing. We have, a, we have an unusual process here. This is not typical. Verse 4, And Eliezer the priest shall come, or shall, shall take some of its blood, with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood toward the front of the tent of meeting seven times. So he, he takes some of the blood from the cow and he, and he sprinkles it towards the tabernacle. Verse 5, And the heifer shall be burned in his sight. Its skin, its flesh, and its blood with its dung shall be burned. And the priest shall take cedar wood and hyssop and scarlet yarn and throw them into the fire burning the heifer. So they've got a fire going here. They've, they've killed the cow and now they're going to burn it. And they're going to, they're going to make this big fire. And there's going to be cedar wood, there's going to be hyssop, and there's going to be scarlet yarn. Any scholar will tell you that the point here, that the thing that, that is, we're, we're, we're supposed to see is the color red. This is all about blood. This, this is all about blood. You've got a red heifer. Um, hyssop is a purplish um, herb that was used to, to spread blood. Scarlet red yarn, it's the color of blood. This is about blood. The blood is where the cleansing power is. Verse 7, Then the priest shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. But the priest shall be unclean until evening. The one who burns the heifer shall wash his clothes in water and bathe his body in water and shall be unclean until evening. So this is, this is dangerous work they're doing. It's, it's toxic work. So even if you are doing things exactly the way God wants you to, there's, there's still going to be some temporary uncleanness even for those who are, who are getting this stain remover together. And a man, verse 9, who is clean shall gather up the ashes of the heifer. So now we've, the fire is over, and now what's left are these, the ashes of this red heifer. And deposit them outside the camp in a clean place. And they shall be kept for the water for impurity for the congregation of the people of Israel. It is a sin offering. 
And the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. And this shall be a perpetual statute for the people of Israel and for the stranger who sojourns among them. So now the, the point here is they've, is they've killed this red heifer. They've, uh, they, they've burnt the, the cow with a whole bunch of other stuff. And now they have these, this pile of ashes. That was the point. That's what we're, we're driving at here. We've, we've created this pile of ashes. And everyone who is involved with, with preparing this, with getting these ashes together, everyone who's involved in any way is temporarily unclean themselves. They have to, they have to distance themselves from everybody. They have to wait until evening. They gotta wash their clothes. So this is, uh, this is toxic work. It's serious work. But we do have now our stain remover. We have these ashes. It, it's almost like a mixture that you might go buy at the store and you gotta mix with water. We're gonna see that here. So that's, a, that's how the, the stain remover was made. And now, number two, let's look at when the stain remover was used. Starting in verse 11. This is why they need this stain remover, okay? Whoever touches the dead body of any person shall be unclean seven days. That's why we need this stain remover. He shall cleanse himself with the water on the third day and on the seventh day, and so be clean. That water that they're talking about, that's the water for impurity, the water that they mix with these ashes. Alright, so they cleanses himself with water on the third day and on the seventh day after he's touched this dead body, and so be clean. But if he does not cleanse himself, the end of verse 12, if he does not cleanse himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not become clean. Whoever touches a dead body, the, the body of one who has died and does not cleanse himself, defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. And that person shall be cut off from Israel. And most, um, most scholars think that that means there he, he will die. That person shall be put to death. Because the water for impurity was not thrown on him, he shall be unclean. His uncleanness is still on him. Alright, so... so if anybody touched a dead body, they brought uncleanness onto themselves. They brought a stain before, before God's eyes. Before God's eyes, they were stained. This is not a literal stain that, that you and I could see if we would have been there, but it's a stain before God's eyes. And not only did death bring a stain upon them, but death brought a stain even on the tabernacle where God was supposed to dwell with them, where God was supposed to meet with them, where they would worship God, where they would find forgiveness and and fellowship with God. So now the the people themselves are stained. They have a stain on them because because they were in the presence of death. And the tabernacle has a stain on it. And so now it's not safe for the people to be with God. There's a stain, an offensive stain. So what they had to do is they had to, they had to mix fresh water with those ashes that, they, that had been prepared. They had to mix fresh water with those ashes. It creates a, a cleaning agent. It creates a stain remover. And they had to be sprinkled with that water for impurity, that, that, that heifer water. They had to be sprinkled with that on the third day after they touched the dead body and on the seventh day. Verse 14, this is the law. When someone dies in a tent, everyone who comes into the tent and everyone who is in the tent shall be unclean seven days. So you could just go into a tent where someone had died. Verse 15, and every open vessel that has no cover fastened on it is unclean. 
Whoever in the open, so this is a, this is a very contagious thing. Whoever in the open field touches someone who was killed with a sword or who died naturally or touches a human bone or a grave shall be unclean seven days. For the unclean, they shall take some ashes of the burnt sin offering and fresh water shall be added in a vessel. Then a clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water and sprinkle it on the tent and on all the furnishings and on the persons who were there and on whoever touched the bone or the slain or the dead or the grave. And the clean person shall sprinkle it on the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day. So it had to be a clean person. This is probably probably Levites. They were set apart by God to do this kind of work. They were ceremonially clean, so they could they could um, sprinkle uh, the the water on the clean person on the third and the seventh day. At the end of verse nineteen, thus on the seventh day he shall cleanse him, and he shall wash his clothes and bathe himself in the water and and at or in water, and at evening he shall be clean. So anybody again who's dealing with this water at, at all, they are they are temporarily unclean. Verse twenty. If the man who is unclean does not cleanse himself, that person shall be cut off from the midst of the assembly, since he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. Because the water for impurity has not been thrown on him, he is unclean, and it shall be a statute forever for them. The one who sprinkles the water for impurity shall wash his clothes, and the one who touches the water for impurity shall be unclean until evening. So even if you're just, you just go, you just splash a little bit on you as you're, as you're sprinkling someone else with this water, you're unclean until evening. And verse 22, and whatever the unclean person touches shall be unclean, and anyone who touches it shall be unclean until evening. So this is powerful stuff. This is powerful stuff. And so it's probably the Levites who are able to, to handle this. They're, 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 they're set apart by God to handle this. And then after someone touches a dead body or touches a bone or touches a grave or goes into a tent that had, where, where someone had died or just it could be inadvertent, it, whatever, they're stained by death. That, that coming in contact with death stains them in God's eyes. So now they have to be cleansed. And so God has this stain remover. And it's dangerous stuff, but it works. So that's how the stain remover was made. And that's when it was used. Now, number three, let's look at why all this matters to us. Why is this chapter here important to me and to you? Um, I, I like to go to antique stores. I like to go to antique stores. Um, and I know you're thinking, like, that's, isn't that just like what old women do? I was like, yes, it's usually me and a bunch of old women at the antique store, and it's great. So, um, but I like them because there's always, there's always like some, some cool things I just, and, and I always think, man, I should buy that. And then, then I think, why, why would I buy that? Like, what would I possibly do with that? I like, um, I watch a lot of old movies, and so I like, I like stuff that I see in old movies. Like, every once in a while, um, what always catches my eyes at antique store, and I don't care if you think this is weird or not. I don't, you think I'm weird anyhow. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So anyhow, um, when I see all, old typewriters from the 1920s, those old, like, Remington typewriters, they're so cool. But I like, why would I buy that? What would I do with it? Besides have it on a shelf and, and, Tell people who could care less about it that I have it, you know? It just doesn't, doesn't do me any good. Sometimes we look at the book of Numbers this way. We look at Numbers chapter 19, and we say, that's kind of cool. It's kind of an interesting thing to kind of have up on the shelf and take a look at every once in a while. But what do we do with it? 
What does this do for us? I mean, it is, it is kind of weird. I like, I think it's kind of cool. The idea of like, uh, of like killing this, it has to be a red cow. Killing that red cow outside the camp and then burning it and then throwing this other stuff in it. And then you have these ashes. Uh, very particular ashes, and you have to mix them with fresh water, and then you sprinkle it on someone who who came into contact with death, and then they're cleansed. Like, that's interesting, it's cool, but what do we do with that? Because we don't have to do any of that stuff. What does this do for us? Uh, three things. Three, three reasons why this chapter matters to us. Number one, it shows us that death itself deeply offends God. Death itself deeply offends God. That's the first thing this chapter does for us. It shows us that death itself deeply offends God. Death makes us unclean before God. God cannot stand death. Like in In the book of Numbers, we've seen, and I don't think it surprised any of us, what we've seen in the book of Numbers is that sin offends God. God can't dwell where there's sin. And we understand that. God is a holy God, and He will not dwell among sinful people. He will not tolerate sin in His presence. So we get that. We understand that. I think maybe Numbers has made it a little bit more like um, clear to us. It's, it's been dramatized a little bit in the book of Numbers. We see the severity of a little bit more. But we knew coming in that God hates sin. But we need to stop today and remember that God also hates death. Death is a stain before God. Death is a stain before God. It, it disturbs Him. It offends Him. He, he will not be near this because it is a disturbing stain. I, I could not think of an appropriate illustration here. Um, I thought of three or four illustrations, and none of them were edifying. So, um, but I think we all know, without me elaborating, how disturbing stains can be. If you've ever raised a, a two or three or four year old, um, you see some stains, and you're like, oh, that can't be good. Uh, usually, when I see certain kinds of stains, I just call my wife, hey, that kid needs you, that something bad happened, and. Now the clothes are ruined and whatever. You need to go and get your hazmat suit, get in there, do what you got to do. I'm going to stay over here where there's no stain. I'm going to keep myself away from that. So this is, what, this is what this passage is teaching us. The passage is teaching us not that death is a sin. It's not a sin. Death is not a sin. But death is a sign that something bad happened. We see that stain in our house and we're like, oh, something bad happened over there. Something bad happened. This is the same way it is with with God and death. It's not a sin, but it is a sign that sin is alive and present in the world. Death is a sign that sin has happened. It It is our sin that brings forth death. It is our sin that brings forth death. And and so, God hates death. It is not right. It is not appropriate. It is a stain before Him. 
It is a sign that something bad has happened. That's the first thing we have to see as we look at this chapter. The second thing is it shows us that God loves His people. Not only shows us that death itself is, is, a, 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 is offensive to God, offends God, but it shows us here, number two, shows us that God loves His people. The people in the book of Numbers were in an awful situation. They, I mean, you, if you've read through the last, oh, six chapters or so with us, you've seen a lot of death in the book of Numbers. There's been a lot of death in this wilderness. There's been a lot of death. Death was everywhere. In chapter 16, we saw how 14,000 people died because of their rebellion. 14,000 people died, which means there were a lot of people who had to touch a lot of dead bodies. A lot of people in the wilderness knew someone who died. They had to bury someone who died. They had to care for someone who had passed away. They had to take care of that. There's a lot of death in the wilderness. So there were a lot of stains in the wilderness. I mean, in the wilderness, there was no hospice care. There's no, there's no home nurses. There's no health care. There's, there's, there's no funeral homes. There's no morticians. There's none of that. You had to care for your um, loved one who was passing away. You had to care for the, the body of the loved one that had passed away. You had to do that. You had to touch a dead body. You couldn't help it. If you're gonna, but, but, then, but then you were unclean. You were stained before God. So God shows His love for His people by designing, by, setting a, by establishing this, uh, this stain remover. And it, and it really it wasn't expensive. It was, this, was, this was actually... I mean, it was difficult for the people who had to prepare it and administer it, but it wasn't really all that, all that much for the, the people who had actually touched the dead body. It was it was a lot more um, it was a it was a a lot more of a risk it was a lot more of a thing an ordeal for the people who had to prepare it and administer it than it was for the people who needed who needed it. I mean, because this was the ashes from a from a heifer just like from the community. Every family didn't have to provide their own ashes. This was a mixture that anyone could use. It was a mixture that was free to the congregation. This wasn't like the other sacrifices where you had to bring your own animal to be from your own herd, your own flock to be, to be sacrificed. This was, this was God being incredibly gracious with His people. He's making them understand for sure that He hates sin. And He hates death because death comes from sin. So this is a stain before Him. But He wants them to understand He loves them. He wants to continue to dwell with them. So he establishes the stain remover. Those are the first couple of things that this chapter does for us. And then number three, this is the last point, sub-point of this sermon. This is, this is rewarding you for being the faithful Labor Day Sunday people. Alright? This is my... Yeah, you're welcome. This is it. This shows us how completely Jesus saves us. This, this, this chapter shows us just how completely Jesus saves us. Let me read to you Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 and 14. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 13 and 14 says this. I love it. I love this. It says, 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience, our our inside, our hearts, the depths of us. How much more will Christ purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Here's what the author of Hebrews is saying. He's saying, do you remember Numbers chapter 19? Do you, do you remember all the blood? All the redness? The red heifer and the hyssop and the, and the scarlet yarn? Do you remember all the blood of Numbers chapter 19? Do you, do you remember the ashes that were made? The ashes of the heifer? Do you, do you remember the, the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer? Do you remember the book of Numbers? Here's why Jesus is better. Here's why His blood is better because Jesus and His blood on the cross do something that the ashes of the heifer could never do. He not only takes the stain of death away, I mean, He does do that, but He not only takes the stain of death away, He washes away the the sin that brings forth death. My sin is the reason that death is in this world. Your sin, Adam's sin, humanity since Adam, our sin is the reason that death is in the world. Our sin is the reason that this stain blots the world. Jesus has not just temporarily removed the stain like the, like the, by, by God's grace, like the heifer's ashes could do. It was God's kindness to them that He gave them this temporary reprieve. Jesus goes far, far deeper than that. He forgives us the sin bringing forth death. And and what we have to understand is that not only is it just physical death that that our sin brings, but it's the destruction that we bring before we pass away. The destruction we bring on this earth because of our sin. Jesus forgives us of that. He takes that away from us. He, he takes it so that He makes it so that we can, we can put away those dead works and we can serve the living God. We can stop doing the kinds of sins that, that bring destruction into the world. Think with me. If I, as a, as a, husband and as a father and as a pastor, if I decide I'm going to indulge in pornography, if I do that, I am bringing death into the world. I am helping to destroy the dignity and the soul of the woman on that screen I'm staring at. I am bringing destruction to my marriage, to my ministry, to my own soul. Sin brings death. It brings destruction. It kills And it spreads just like it did in Numbers 19. Deathly sin spreads in our lives. Pornography abuse becomes lying. It becomes anger. It it turns to abuse. And the same goes for other sins that are just as awful. Equally awful sins. Like, Like if I harbor bitterness against someone in my heart. Maybe pornography is not my thing. Maybe it's bitterness. If I harbor bitterness in my heart and in my mind, I'm killing my own happiness. I'm killing my own contentment. And I'm not only poisoning the relationship with the person that I'm bitter against, I'm poisoning all my other relationships. The innocent bystanders, they're going to be hurt because of this. And it'll spread. 
Bitterness becomes gossiping. It becomes lying. It becomes bragging. It becomes self-righteousness. It becomes manipulating. Sin brings death. It spreads and it brings death and destruction. But, here's what Jesus does. He saves us from those dead works. He saves us from those dead works. He purifies our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. He, we could never scrub hard enough to get rid of the sin inside of us. We could never scrub hard enough to, to get rid of it, to make ourselves clean. I, we could never scrub away the stain of death. Jesus could. And that's what He did for us on the cross. He removed the stain of death once and for all by removing the sting of death once and for all. He removed the stain of death by removing the sting of death. My children, I've mentioned this to you before, um, we had, we had, my children have issues. I've, I've just said that and it's because, it's because their mom has issues and so that she's just passed them right down and so it's just whatever, I can't do anything, you know? Can't fix them. So it's just an uphill battle. Um, just kidding. Anyhow, I, I, we had some friends over last week, and it was they, they enjoyed getting to know my children because then they heard all this stuff about me. You know, I get to say all these weird things about to them while I'm preaching, and then my children, they get revenge when people come over, and they just unload all these stories that aren't for public consumption. They're only for our own house, but they don't care. They're just going to tell everybody my own business. So it's fine. It's equal. It works out in the end. I get what's coming to me. Anyhow, my children for whatever reason, love this YouTube channel called Coyote Peterson. Coyote Peterson. Coyote Peterson is an idiot. He, um, I mean, I'm sure he's probably brilliant, and I'm sure he's a millionaire, because, you know, YouTube, but he's an idiot. He, he, what he does, his YouTube channel, is about him finding the, the insects and the snakes and the wild animals with the worst bites and stings. And then he puts himself into a situation where they attack him. I, I googled him to make sure I had his name right, and then it, it, it all made sense once I googled him, because I found out he, um, he, he graduated from Ohio State. I was like, oh. For one thing, I said, go blue, and then I said, that makes sense. Yep. And this high school, I don't think it's connected, but his high school was called Notre Dame. So I was just like, yep. That's what that, that, he didn't have a choice but to go and stick his head in the lion's death, in the lion's den, because, because, because obviously, only a buckeye would think this was a good idea. Anyhow, that's not the point. I wouldn't do that. I, I like money. I like money, and I'm assuming he's getting paid a decent amount of money. I like money. I also like not getting bit by a snake. And I think in the end, they'd be like, hey, 100000 bucks if you put your arm out there and let that viper clamp on. I'd be like, you know what? I, I really don't need $100,000. I, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I could, I could even sign the contract and get right up to where it happened. I'm like, nope, no. Nope, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. One day, the snake of death is going to get me. Unless Jesus comes back, which would be just fine with me, unless Jesus comes back, death is going to get me. We can picture death as a snake. We can picture death as a snake. I don't want to get bitten by that snake. 
I don't, I don't, I don't want to die. I don't, I don't want to die before anybody in my family, but I also don't want to die after anybody in my family. I, don't, I just don't want, I don't want any of us to die. I don't like death. Like, like this is something God has built into us. It, it grieves us. Death is not right. And it's good to know that our God agrees with us in this. It's good to know that He, that he understands. I don't like death. But that, that snake is going to get me. Eventually it's going to clamp down and I'm not looking forward to it. But the, the wonderful thing is that I know that this is, a, this is a previously poisonous snake. Jesus has taken the sting out of death, 1 Corinthians says. Jesus has taken the sting out. I'm not looking forward to it. I don't want it to happen. But I know there's no lasting side effects. I know that when I die, there will be no lasting side effects. I know that when I die, I, I know that to be absent from this body means to be present with the Lord. And I know that one day, Jesus will give me a new glorified body. And I know I'll be with God forever. I know that because of Jesus, the sting is gone. The poison, it's gone. It's, it's going to hurt, but it's going to be over quick. Because Jesus has taken care of my sin. He's forgiven my sin. He's scrubbed away my sin. His blood was not like the blood of that, of that heifer. His, his blood not only purified just the stain of, of death, His blood purified the insides. He got right down to the core root of the problem. And because He's forgiven my sin, death will not have the final say over me. My death will not be a grievous stain before God the Father. Have you, have you believed the Gospel? Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you believed that Jesus has taken the sting out of death for you? Do you I mean, you, you deserve the sting. I deserve the sting. I mean, we deserve... The worst part about death is when we are punished afterwards in hell forever. That's the sting of death. That's what we deserve because of our, of, 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 of our deep-rooted sin. That's what we deserve. But those who trust Christ as their Savior... Those who believe that Jesus has taken that wrath, that punishment, we are, we are forgiven. We're not going to face the sting of death. And, and, and also, by God's grace, we can now live lives that please God. We don't have to do these dead works that just bring destruction and chaos in their wake. We don't have to have these spreading sins where we lie to cover something else we've done and we lash out in anger to cover up our lies. We don't have to do that anymore. We can put a, we can put a stop to that by God's grace. We can fight against that by God's grace because Jesus is washing us clean. Jesus is purifying our conscience. Jesus is changing our heart. But I hope that you believe the gospel that Jesus has forgiven you, and I also hope, by God's grace, you believe that you can now live a life that pleases God. You can fight against living a life of dead works of sin. And you can be sure that because of Jesus, the opposite of Numbers 19 is now true for those who belong to Jesus. The Psalm 116 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of His saints. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your Word. We pray that You would, we pray that you would work it into our hearts, God, that You would, over time, by Your Spirit, by Your grace, work the, the truth of Your Word deep into our hearts. 
I pray that you would help us to understand what Jesus has saved us from and what Jesus has saved us to, and so that now we can live lives, God, that do, that please you. We can live lives that please you because Jesus and his work in our hearts. Help us to believe that. Help us to find joy in that. And I pray, God, that you would be honored by our, by our lives here. And that when we do die, that our death will be precious in your sight. And that we will be absent from our bodies, but we will be present with the Lord. Help us, God. In Jesus' name, amen.